Beloved Shakrapal, wait a moment. We are weeping over our fate. Listen to our sorrowful matter, O Lord. Listen to our sorrowful matter. This is the Bhajan Shakirpal Piyariya on page 51. The beautiful one is present within all, but no one has known his secret. We have kept you in our heart. Give us your strength. Even gods and goddesses want you. Even the moon and sun feel embarrassed before you. Beloved of Shah Sawan, do not forget us even for a moment. The emperor is the treasurer of the true Nam. You are the giver, we are the beggars. We have lost our heart making requests. Remove the pain of separation. This soul without honor makes this request as your abode is in such kind. Beloved, give us your radiant darshan now. Don't delay it even for a moment. This world is a whirlwind. We have relied only on you. O oh, support of Ajayb, don't leave my sight even for a moment. Beloved Shah Kripal, wait a moment. We are weeping over our fate. Listen to our sorrowful matter, O oh Lord. Listen to our sorrowful matter. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 51. Shakir Pala Piyariya Atka Zarahik Pala Javi Asiron De Kare Nasibanu Sari Sunnedar Dadi Gal Javi O Sahi Sunnedar Dadi Gal Javi Shakir Pala Piyariya at the Sai <laughs> O Sai Sun Darda Di Galajavi Tenu Devi Devate Chande Ne Chana Surajabi Sharamande Ne 
tenu devi devte chande ne chan suraj bi sharmande ne shasavan deya piyariya sanu visara zara na phal javi o sai sun dar dadi kal javi Shakir Pala Piyariya Atkazara Ek Paljavi Asironde Khare Nasibanu Sadi Sundar Dadi Galjavi O Sai Sundar Dadi Galjavi Sachi naam da shabhandari hai tu data si bikhari hai Sachi naam da shabhandari hai tu data si bikhari hai Dil arja khad khad hari avi chhode vala sal thavi O sai sun dar dadi gal javi Shahir Asironde khare nasibanu sadi sundar dadi gal javi O sai sundar dadi gal javi Khare arjai jeevan mana e thera sach khanda vichati khana e Kare arja jeevan mana hai Tera sach khanda vichati khana hai Nuri darshan deja piyariya Hun dera zarana phal lavi O sai sun dar dadi gal javi Shakir Pala Piyariya Atkazara Ek Phal Javi Asironde Khare Nasibanu Sadi Sundar Dadi Gal Javi O Sai Sundar Dadi Gal Javi E dunia guman gheri e asya sarakhi ek theri e E dunia guman gheri e asya sarakhi ek theri e Ajayaba deya sahariya ankiya to palana thal javi O sai sun dar dadi gal javi Shakir pal piyariya 
हाथ खजरा एक फल जावी असिरों दे खड़े नसीबानु सारी सुनदार दादी गल जावी ओ साई सुनदार दादी गल जावी Beloved Shakrapal, wait a moment. We are weeping over our fate. Listen to our sorrowful matter, O oh Lord. Listen to our sorrowful matter. Our next bhajan is on page 43. Satguru Sache Mere Datta. Oh, my true Satguru, the giver, we have come to your door. We have come to your door. We have come to your door. We have been separated from you for many births and are suffering the fruits of karmas. Cut the fetters of birth after birth. We have been so confused. We have become the beggars at your door. Oh, Satguruji, have grace and mercy. Cause the rain of Nam to flow. The plants have withered. May the stream of nectarful nam flow, spread the coolness in the heated hearts, put the arms of nam in the joli, becoming beggars we have come. The servant Ajayb makes this request, O Kripal Guruji, save my honor. O Satguru, give me your boon. We have come to your shelter. Oh, my true Satguru, the giver, we have come to your door. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 43. Satguru Sache Mere Data, Data Tere Te Agaye. Satguru Sache Mere Data, Tara tere te agaye Tara tere te agaye Tara tere te agaye Tara tere Satguru Sache Mere Data Tara Tere Te Agaye Satguru Sache Mere Data Tara Tere Te Agaye Teta Vichade Kai Jana Mate Bogara he ha palakara made. Teto vichade kaitana made. Bogara he ha palakara made. Kate defanda janama jana made. Tate ha kabara kaye. Kate te fanda janama janama de Tate hakabara kaye Satguru sache mere data Tara te re te ahakaye 
सच गुरु साचे मेरे दाता Pane bikari tere darate diya me har sat guru ji karate pane bikari tere darate diya me Bhūte he mūrajāha kāye Pārishanāma dāna dīkārade Bhūte he mūrajāha kāye Sātaguru sāche mere dāta Tārate rete ākāye Satguru Sache Mere Data Tarate Rete Agaye Amaritanam Parvachalate Tapade Hirade Tandavaratade Amaritanam Parvachalate Tapade hira de tandavada tade Joli kera nama di pade Vana ke bikari ahakaye Joli kera nama di pade Vana ke bikari ahakaye Satguru Sache Mere Data Tarate Rete Agae Satguru Sache Mere Data Tarate Rete Agae Dasa Ajaiba Araja Karata Kirpa Guru Jirakalo Parada Dasa Ajaiba Haraja Karada Kirpa Guru Jirakalo Parada Bakasho Sacha Guru Tera Varada Sharana Teriha Akae Bakasho Sata Guru Tera Varada Sharana Teriha Agae Sata Guru Sache Mere Data Dara Terete Agae Sata Guru Sache Mere Data Oh, my true Satguru, the giver, we have come to your door. And there will be parshad passed out during the last bhajan at the end of the satsang. And the next world religions class will be August 7th. I, today I want to read a couple of things, actually several things, some longer than others. 
beginning with a poem by Kabir Saab, The Fight of the Truth Seeker, the relevance of which will be obvious in connection with the reading. Kabir says, Where is the night when the sun is shining? If it is night, then the sun withdraws its light. Where knowledge is, can ignorance endure? If there be ignorance, then knowledge must die. If there be lust, how can love be there? Where there is love, there is no lust. Lay hold on your sword and join in the fight. Fight, O my brother, as long as life lasts. Strike off your enemy's head and there make an end of him quickly. Then come and bow your head at your king's durbar. He who is brave never forsakes the battle. He who flies from it is no true fighter. In the field of this body, a great war goes forward against passion, anger, pride, and greed. It is in the kingdom of truth, contentment, and purity that this battle is raging, and the sword that rings forth most loudly is the sword of his name. Kabir says, when a brave knight takes the field, a host of cowards is put to flight. It is a hard fight and a weary one, this fight of the truth-seeker. For the vow of the truth-seeker is more hard than that of the warrior or of the widowed wife who would follow her husband. For the warrior fights for a few hours, and the widow's struggle with death is soon ended. But the truth-seeker's battle goes on day and night. As long as life lasts, it never ceases. And I want to follow that up by reading portions of a talk that I gave at St. Bani Ashram on January 13th, 1985, on returning from Rajasthan. And the talk is called The Battlefield. And I don't plan to read the whole talk, but a substantial section of it, which includes also Sanchi's underground room talk, is part of it, is included in it. While I was there, the question came up about seva in connection with global problems. Ethiopia, for example, and there was at this time a famine in Ethiopia that had been publicized, what the role of the satsangi should be. I cannot give Master's answer verbatim. It will be published sooner or later. But he indicated that it was more important to devote our time to helping people near at home, to start with the people where we are and help them, and then expand out from there if we can. He mentioned especially the seva of helping other people grow spiritually, and he mentioned this hall, the new satsang hall in St. Bunny Ashram, New Hampshire, in connection with that. He said that when he was here last May, on several days it rained, but because this hall had been built, nobody was bothered by the rain. The meditation went on as though the rain wasn't there. And, he said, 
Everybody who had taken part in the seva of the building of this hall would get benefit from the meditation of all those people who sat in it over the years. And I would point out that this is true, of course, not just of that particular hall, but of every place where seva has been done that makes meditation easier or that encourages, facilitates people to meditate. The hall at Shamaz is exactly the same position. And any seva done in an ashram or a place like that, which encourages and allows people to meditate, the people who do the seva will get the benefit from all the people who meditate on and on and on over the years. So it's, it's an important thing. This was a transforming trip, and not just to me. It was a real group enterprise. I will try to convey as much as I can, bearing in mind that a great deal that happened was inner and not outer. I'll do my best to convey something of the quality of it in the hope of communicating a little bit of the power and the love and the competency and the grace of the Master because we were enveloped in all that from the beginning to the end, and everything that happened took place in the light of that. There are many different ways to see this trip. It is like a jewel, a diamond, which has many facets. You turn it one way and it shines so beautifully you think there could be nothing else, and you turn it another way and it is shining even more beautifully. So I'll do my best. I have seldom been more conscious of my limited ability to convey the magnitude of what I experienced as on this trip. Please bear that in mind. I might as well start with the low point. There was a whopping failure on my part which happened at the very beginning of the trip, even before the plane left the ground in New York, if you can believe it. I fell flat on my face in the garbage. Air India, which is an airline for which I have great affection, especially because of the way they have treated Sanji, has peculiar arrangements. In one of their no smoking sections, the last two rows are reserved for smokers. None of us knew that, and somehow many of us ended up in those two rows. Right across the row from me, I was in an aisle seat. A fellow started to light up a cigarette. I asked him not to on the grounds that it was a no-smoking section, and he put it away, very unhappily. And then another smoker pointed out to him that those two rows were not. He got overjoyed, and I lost my temper. I used language that should not have been used by me, gutter language, and the anger of it went out into the air and hovered. I could feel it, but I was so angry that I didn't care. I forgot all about everything except that I was going to have to breathe that guy's smoke from there until London and nothing else mattered at that minute. Once I got over it, I felt absolutely terrible. All I could think of, all the rest of the way to India and the first day or two at the ashram, whenever my mind would wander from doing Simran or whatever, was that incident, the words that I had used and the anger that I had left hanging in the air, which followed me like a cloud. 
I was enveloped by it, and I felt absolutely ashamed. I contemplated making a public confession at the satsang there, which people have sometimes done. But it didn't seem appropriate, but I knew something had to be done. Well, Sanchi, in his gracious, all-knowing wisdom, gave me an interview really early. The interviews were scheduled to start on Monday, but he sent for me on Sunday, and he gave me a long time with him. I told him the story of what had happened and how bad I felt and that I had not been able to get past it and that it had colored my trip up to that point. And I asked him to forgive me. He was very kind, extremely kind. He was very thoughtful, and he said that this is the way the negative power overtakes us at the points where we are most vulnerable, and we forget everything and concentrate only on the thing that we are afraid of at that moment. He said that he personally had never used tobacco. By the way, I have, and in the past I have often thought that any discomfort I get from other people's smoke is only my karma for having smoked at other people in the past. I forgot all about that, of course, when that man was lighting up. He said, I have never used tobacco, and I have always hated its smell, but I have never hated the smokers. Those words are obvious, but they are exactly what we forget when we are dealing in a situation like that. And they rang very strong in my heart. I never hated the smokers. And he said, when I am in a position like that, I lose myself in Simran and in the intoxication of the love of my master. I took those words to heart. We arrived in daylight. It was the first time in years that the bus that I had been on had arrived at the ashram in daylight. This means that at the first beautiful darshan with him sitting in the courtyard, we could really see him. I was so grateful for that. It was incredibly sweet. Sanchi said that night, as he always does, that the bell would not ring that morning at three. That's because of the fact that, of course, we just got there and he had pity on our tiredness from the trip. So the bell starts to ring the second morning. And we went to bed at dark, dead tired from the bus ride, and I woke up and looked at my watch, and it was 11 o'clock. It was way too early. I said, I'm going back to sleep. But I couldn't sleep. I refused to get up on the grounds that it was way too early. I had it in my head. I have to sleep. I couldn't sleep. I tossed and turned, tossed and turned. I kept looking at my watch, 11.30, midnight. Finally, about 1 o'clock, I got up. I said, all right, Master, you want me up, I'll get up. And I went into the meditation hall. There were a few people there. I noticed Philip from Boston also there. And I sat that night for meditation from then until 6 a.m. because that is what I had to do. I talked about it the next morning with Philip. He had had exactly the same experience. Woke up somewhere around 10.30 or 11, couldn't believe it angry at having awakened so early, tried to sleep, couldn't sleep, and finally gave up and went into the hall. So he said, all right, we'll see what happens tonight. That night, exactly the same thing, up at 11. 
Only this night I got up. I had realized, well, all right, Master, I'll get up whenever you make me get up. So at 11.30 I was awake. I got up, washed, went to the hall, was there by 12, sat there until 6. That happened every single night until the last couple. I could not sleep past 11.30 or 12 at the latest. At the end, when it began to deteriorate a little bit, Philip and I would joke about how we had overslept until a quarter of one or one fifteen or something like that. He had exactly the same experience as I did. Amy from Philadelphia had the same experience too, and there were others. Even those who could sleep past midnight could not often make it past one. I would sometimes take a break at two to go to the bathroom or something. I'd go into our room to get a drink of water before going back in, and the room would be empty except for one or two fellows who might be meditating on their beds. No one was asleep. It was that kind of group. I would say that by the time the bell rang at three, half the people in the group were already in the hall working hard. Now, the other interesting thing is that for both Philip and me, and probably for others too, those first two or three nights were just absolutely filled with pain. Now, I don't usually experience pain when I meditate. The last time that I had experienced any pain in a consistent way was that famous time that I wrote about in my book when Sanchi put me through that three-night ordeal back in 1976. It is as if I went through enough pain on those three nights for the next nine years. Maybe that was the way it worked. Anyway, suddenly on these nights, there was no way I could sit comfortably. I had pain everywhere, my shoulders, my neck, my back, my legs, my buttocks. There was nothing I could do. Pillows, blankets, the wall, not the wall, away from the wall, against the wall. No matter what I did, the pain was worse. But you see, I had no choice. I had to sit there and have it. There was no other way. I could not go back to bed. One night I gave up at 5.20 rather than wait for the bell at 6. But that was the most I dared do. It was not even a question. I knew that I had to be in there. Another thing, we would have tea at 6. Last year, I used to enjoy that time between tea and the time he came for our morning session with him. I used to walk around the ashram, but this year I couldn't do that. I was propelled back into the hall at 6.15 or 6.20 to sit until he came. I would say to Philip, once more into the breach, dear friends, which is a quote from Shakespeare's Henry V as he leads the troops into the Battle of Agincourt. That's the way I felt, and I would sit there, and by that time my body would be so exhausted from the pain that when he came I had great trouble staying awake, which is another problem that I have never had, but I had it this time. This went on for three nights or so, but on New Year's Day Sanchi gave a satsang, and I was sitting in the back directly in sight of him. I had beautiful darshan there, absolutely beautiful. New Year's Day is a very profound day for me. Many of the great events of my life have happened on New Year's Day, 
the main one being the tremendous realization that I had to search for truth in the first place, which happened back in 1957. So Sanchi was giving satsang. I don't know how the satsang will read or how it will hear, but every word he said poured strength into me. Every glance from him, and there were a lot, poured strength into me. By this time, I had spent three nights on the rack. That is the way I felt, and my body was exhausted. I would go to my bed after breakfast and conk out until the 11 a.m. meditation. But on this New Year's afternoon satsang, the strength and the grace that was being poured into me was unfathomable. Every word, every glance, every gesture that he made was strength-giving to me. And I understood it, I grasped it, I realized what was happening, and I was filled with love. And other people also. I don't mean to imply that I was the only one. This was very much a collective enterprise in many ways. Philip, again, with whom I shared a lot on this trip, said to me, that was incredible, Russell, wasn't it? I certainly agreed. That night again, up at 11.30 on the dot, no alarm or anything, but just awake, can't go back to sleep, into the hall, no pain, not the slightest bit of pain. It was all taken away in that satsang. And for six hours that night, I can't tell you. It's not possible. I will only say that we have no idea of what the Master wants to give us. No idea. We must open up our souls to receive the whole compass of what he wants to give us, people. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible what we have lying in wait for us if we'll only put ourselves in a position to take it. Our pails are so tiny, that's the problem. Anyway, it was one of the greatest nights of my life. And you know, he made it happen. He had given it to me. And this is the point of, the meaning of, statements like, ten minutes with the Master is worth a hundred years of doing Simran in your home. When we are with him, breakthroughs occur. Circumstances are created so that we can profit by what he wants to give us. There were some other things. It's all connected. Everything is interwoven through like the light sparkling from the jewel. It's all one. The underground room experience. Last year, I remember that when I got back, I talked about how descending down into the underground room becomes the focus for looking back and understanding what happened on the whole trip. The trip is very carefully orchestrated by him to produce the maximum transformation of consciousness, and he is not holding anything back. The underground room is where he shares with us a different perspective. Somehow, after we have put in our time in the group, at the end of the time, then he shares with us a prashad, something of the point of view of one who can sit in a room like that for two years and obey his master. And I found it, as I have found it in previous years, extremely powerful. This is the talk that he gave just before we went down into the room. And these are Sanchi's words. I have said a lot regarding this place, why it was made, and how, being attracted by the love of this poor soul, God Kripal used to come here. 
Time after time you would have read that in the magazine. Now I will tell you only this, that we should get the inspiration from within this place. We should know how the poor soul went into this room, into this cave, with a lot of love and faith for the Master, and how, working hard, he became successful. So we should also get inspiration from that. We should not become the slave of our minds, and we should at least obey the commandments of the Master. I have often said that such souls come from the eternal home prepared from the very beginning, but in order to demonstrate to the people, in order to show the people the truth, they work hard. They seem to be working hard, but they are already prepared before coming into this world. It was not only after receiving initiation from beloved Master Kripal that I made this underground room and went inside it for meditation. Ever since my early childhood I had this. I was fond of closing my eyes and sitting in the remembrance of that hidden power. And it was his grace, the grace of that hidden power, who took the form of beloved Kripal, came into this world and came to me and quenched my thirst and fulfilled all my desires and all my hopes. And that is why I thank him. I cannot even thank him enough because he is the all-owner. And it was all his grace because I was not able to do anything. It was all his grace what he made me do. Such love, faith, and devotion is developed only when the heart is made receptive for this gift. And such souls who have been blessed by this love, faith, and devotion for the Almighty Lord, ever since their childhood, they always long for the Beloved One, and always they find the way. And they say that by doing this or that, or by going here or there, we may meet our Beloved. It is true what Supreme Father Kripal used to say, that to find God is not difficult, but it is difficult to become a man. He also used to say that God is in search of man, but it is very difficult to become a man. And of course, man is meant here in the sense of true human being. Master Sawan Singh used to describe the pure human being as the Khalsa. He used to say, who is a Khalsa? Only he who has risen above lust, anger, greed, attachment, and egoism, and who has absorbed himself in the light. Only he is a real Khalsa or a real human being. So all of you should take inspiration from this place and you should do your meditations wholeheartedly when you go back to your homes and you should keep attending the satsangs. Since I have done only what my master has told me to do, in the beginning when I started seeing the Western dear ones and when they would tell me that sometimes they saw light, sometimes they didn't see light, and when I would hear them worrying about seeing the light or not seeing the light, then I would feel very funny because I had never worried about the light or sound, because I knew that I had to do what my master had told me. I used to think in my heart, why are these people worrying so much about light and sound? 
And why are they asking so many questions like this? When they had God Kripal living among them, and they were initiated by God Kripal, why didn't they catch hold of God Kripal when he was living among them? But at that time, it was very difficult for me to reply to such questions, and I would suppress my feelings within myself and not say anything. But now I am having no difficulty replying to those questions because now I am used to them. But I will tell you that since I did only what my master told me, I never worried about the light or sound. All things come within us by themselves if we obey the commandments of the master, if we love the master and become his obedient ones. That's the end of Sanchi's talk. And so I say, at that point, we went down into the room. When we came up, the master stopped me and told me to wait, as he had done once before also. And after everyone had left, he said a few things to me. Some of them were private, but a couple of things I think were very important. The first one was this. He said that Master Kripal had called that room a battlefield. If you bear in mind what I've been saying about my own experience that week, you will see how resonant that was. He said he called it a battlefield, not a place of pilgrimage, and that he did not allow anyone to go down there who had not done the ten days of meditation first, including Indian people, anyone. First, they have to come to the ashram and go through the ten-day program, and then they can go down to the underground room. But I think it is clear that the transformation that takes place, even if we are not aware of it, it cannot help but take place by following the program that the Master has laid out during those ten days. That transformation enables us to partake of the dimensions of that room in a way that just going down and looking at it as a pilgrim or as a tourist would not do. And then he said, do you understand my point, what I said earlier about the light and the sound? And I said, I understand it perfectly, because I did and I do. It is something, in fact, that has been clear to me for a long time, that the masters give us many inducements to follow the path. The light and the sound are important. They come, as Sanchi said, by themselves when we obey the instructions. But for us to think that we can tell where we are by our understanding of the experience or lack of experience that we have had is wrong. We cannot. And any initiate who has been practicing more than a few months knows that there are ups and downs. Sometimes we have fantastic experiences, maybe. Sometimes we have nothing. We are not in control of it. We cannot manipulate it. The master is giving, the master is taking away. What is important for us to do is to obey. And if we worry, if we think, for example, I am losing ground because I didn't see any light today, or I saw only a small amount compared to yesterday, or I'm seeing a different kind of light as compared to that kind of light, this is totally pointless, and initiates do it all the time. When Sanchi was saying that to me, I was sitting at his feet and looking up at him, and I was about an inch away from him, 
And I have never been aware of him as so beautiful and so powerful and so protective and so all-encompassing in all my experience. And into my mind was flooding, this is my guru. This has always been my guru. He is my guru now that he is a jabe. He was my guru when he was Kripal. But there is no difference. I had come to grips with this intellectually a long time ago. It was Master Kripal who sent me to Sanchi in the first place. And then he made sure that I saw him as him when I first met him. He made sure the continuity was established in many ways. He convinced me very easily and very directly within myself. But I had always thought of it as something like this, in a verbal, theological kind of way. Well, there was Kripal Singh, and he is my guru, and he is existing within. And now I am sitting at the feet of Ajayb Singh, who is Kripal Singh's successor, and I obey him outwardly, but my guru is really Kripal. That is the theologically correct way to say it, but I will tell you that the truth is a lot more than that. There is only one guru. Master Kripal makes this plain in the book God-Man and other places. Guru Nanak made it very plain. There is only one guru, and that guru functions through whatever we want to call them, bulbs, candles, There are different images used. In Man Know Thyself, Master Kripal uses the image of light bulbs. One bulb is fused, another replaces it. It is so impersonal. The bulb is the least of it. It is the flame inside that counts. In The Crown of Life, he uses the very beautiful image of the candle, one flame lighting another. Just as we know that the importance does not lie in which candle is burning, but in the flame itself, which is the essence of all fire, in the same way that we know that what counts in the Guru is the Guru, capital G, the Shabad, the Word, the power of God, which is the one Guru for the entire universe. And that is the same regardless of which body it is working in. This is not something I reasoned through while I was sitting there, but it was delivered to me in a complete and unarguable package. And I realized that I was surrounded by it. I have never felt his love more at any time going back to the 1950s and my first contact with Master Kripal. Now, Sanchi applies the name Kripal to that guru. Most masters apply the human name of their master to that guru. But it is the guru itself the word, the Shabbat, that is teaching us, and it is that to whom we are devoted. And that is why it is not idolatry or man-worship, as sometimes people think. That is a gross misunderstanding of what is really happening. You know that all the Sikh gurus used the name Nanak, even though only the second one ever had any contact with Nanak on the physical plane. But all of them, right down to the end, used Nanak whenever they signed their compositions. And Master Kripal, in his introduction to the Japji, says that the power came as Guru Nanak, then changed its form and came as Guru Angad, and then as Guru Amardas, and so on, until it took the form of Guru Gobind Singh. Very specific language is used.
And I, I'm going to read a, another section somewhat on a different level, but kind of amusing. I think you'll enjoy this. I spent a lot of time with Philip, as I have mentioned, and he told me some stories, one of which I want to share with you because many of us have problems with people being hostile to the master. Philip is an iron worker, a construction worker. He's a union man. He works very hard, and when he was first interested in the path, he told me he made a mistake of naively telling the guys at the site all about it. And one day before he was initiated, he was working on the site, and he had a copy of St. Bani folded up in his back pocket. One of the guys came and took it out of his pocket, and then several of them, including the foreman, started going on about the master with grossly obscene references. Philip said it was like garbage or vomit coming out of their mouths, and he didn't know what to do. These were enormous guys, tremendously large people. It was not possible to take care of it on the physical level, and there were three or four of them. So Philip was standing there, his head bowed, tears pouring down his face, not knowing what to do. He felt that he had done something terrible by setting himself up for this. And these guys were passing the magazine around, taking turns, making fun of the master. And just when he thought it was over, the biggest guy of all, an enormous guy, took the magazine one last time, and a last diffusion of vomit came out of his lips. Philip was really at the end of his rope. He was in despair. Now, the job they were doing was moving tremendous steel panels. They were building a skyscraper. And a number of these panels, which took four enormous guys to move, and then with great difficulty, were lying there in a pile. And the second that Philip gave up in total despair, as the man was saying this last bit of vomit, a gust of wind came out of nowhere, although it was not a windy day, picked up one of those steel panels and dumped it exactly on top of that guy so that he was knocked down and totally covered up by the panel. No one could see him. He was enveloped by it. Everyone stood around staring. There was dead silence. Finally, four guys got the panel off him. It took that many to move it. And he didn't come back to work for four days. And Philip said from that point on, nobody, nobody, nobody said a word against the master. Whenever he would come around, some of the men would move away. He said he had occasion to meet that man on whom the panel fell just a few months ago, and he shook his hand, and the man was nervous, which I can believe. All right, I want to conclude with a short section from a question-and-answer session of Sanchi's, which is I find very illuminating. It's called, I'm reading, by the way, this is from the, the talk that I just read is from the March 1985 Sant Bani. It's volume nine, if you have bound volumes. And the talk that I'm going to read from Sanchi now is from the May 1985 Sant Bani, same volume number. So he says, all right, now you can ask your questions. When we sit with pain in meditation, is that a way of burning off karma? When we have pain in meditation, it means that we are getting the key to success in meditation. 
And when we become successful in doing meditation, when we rise above the physical, astral, and causal bodies, and after removing these covers we reach Parabrahm, then we start paying off our karmas in the real sense. People have asked me recently to pray for them. Even an initiate who is a very strong meditator and is having a hard time asked me to pray for her. I'm confused because I don't know how to do that or if that's the right thing to do, to pray for someone else even if they ask. In Santmat, every satsangi is taught how to first make his own mind still, first make his own mind reach the destination, and then think about others. First, he should become successful in carrying his own burden, and then he should start sharing the burden of others. First, you should pray for your own self, and when your prayer becomes successful, only then should you try to pray for others. That satsangi whom you have mentioned, if she's a strong meditator, why doesn't she pray for herself? Why is she telling you to pray? Rabia Basri was a very famous saint among the Muslims. And once some satsangis came to her and they said, well, tell us something about the will of God. Rabia Basri said, since you have brought up this subject, it is better if you say something about it. One of them said, whatever pain God gives to you, you should accept that and patiently bear it. Rabia said, well, that is not the correct attitude for the lover satsangis, because in this statement there is still some smell of egoism. In this statement it seems that you are saying, I am bearing or I am suffering the pain which God has given to me. Then the other dear one said, it is better to accept the pain given by God without any complaints or feeling bad about it. Rabia said, even in this statement, there is some smell of egoism. So you should say something else. But those people did not have anything else to say. So they requested Rabia Basri to say something about the will of God. She replied, a dear satsangi, a lover satsangi, should not even know when the pain came in the will of God and when it went away. He should always remain happy in whatever is given to him, and he should never be aware of what is happening with him and what God is sending to him. Further, she made a request to Almighty God, saying, O Lord, if it were in my hands, I would have burned all your hells so that nobody would do your devotion because of fear of hell. And I would have drowned all your heavens so that nobody would do your devotion because of wanting to go to heaven. Saints never tell their disciples, you should do the devotion to save yourselves from hell. And they never tempt their disciples to go to the heavens. Kabir Sahib says that saints condemn both hells and heavens. And we do not pay any attention to any of these hells and heavens because by the grace of the Master we have to go further ahead of them. Saints never tell their disciples that they have to get involved in hells and heavens. They say you have to go beyond hell and heaven. You have to go to such kind where there is no pain nor happiness. That is why Kabir Sahib says saints condemn both hells and heavens 
with the grace of the Master, we have to go beyond, and we know about the highest place. My reply does not mean that you should not have sympathy for anyone. You should have sympathy for the dear ones who have difficulties and problems, but up to a certain limit. And you should lovingly inspire them to do Simran, because Simran is like a prayer. If he will do Simran, he will definitely become free from bad karma. Simran is not less than a prayer. It is a matter of great understanding. If someone has arranged for water before he is going to feel thirsty, only then will he become successful. If he has not arranged for water, and instead he thinks that when he feels thirsty he will dig out a well and get water, that is not going to work. In the same way, if someone says that he will learn to fight only when the enemy comes to his door, it is not possible. The same principle applies in St. Matt also. If we have not done Simran while we had happier moments, then our Simran is not going to work when we have pain. Kabir Saab says, if the disciple has not done Simran when he was living happily, and if he remembers the Lord only in the moments of his pain, which master is going to listen to the plea of that disciple? He who remembers God only when he is in pain, master does not pay any attention to him. If you have a friend who is having problems, if he is a satsangi, you should bring his attention towards Simran, you should remind him of the love of the master and inspire him to do Simran. If he is a non-satsangi, then you should tell him to accept the will of God. And if you will sit near him and do Simran, he will definitely get some benefit and he will get the help to accept the will of God. And of course, that statement of Rabia's about drowning the hells and burning up the heavens, etc., is um, a very famous statement that she is, maybe her most famous statement of all. It is said that she was once seen carrying a bucket of water down the street, and people asked her, what are you doing? Where are you going? And she said that she was going to do what Sanchi just said, drown drown the fires of hell, and, and, uh, and she had fire in the other hand and uh, burn up heaven so that nobody would do devotion for anything except the love of God. But that was what it's all about. So these are thoughts for today. Okay, we have a tape.
ਜਿਨ੍ਹਾਂ ਨੇ ਸਾਨੂੰ ਆਪਦੀ ਫਲਤੀ ਦਾ ਦਾਨ ਦਿੱਤਾ ਆਪਦੀ ਯਾਦ ਵਿੱਚ ਬੈਠਣ ਦਾ ਮੌਕਾ ਦਿੱਤਾ ਤੇ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੀ ਹੀ ਦਿਆ ਹੈ ਜਿਹੜੇ ਆਪਾਂ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੀ ਯਾਦ ਵਿੱਚ ਬੈਠੇ ਆਏ ਬਾਦਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਦਿੱਤਾ ਤਾਂ ਮੈਂ ਸਤਿਗੁਰੂ ਗੁਰਦੇਵ ਸਾਵਨ ਐਂਡ ਕਿਰਪਾਲ ਹੂ ਗਿਵਸ ਦਾ ਡੋਨੇਸ਼ਨ ਆਫ ਦੇਅਰ ਡਿਵੋਸ਼ਨ and who gave us this opportunity to sit in the remembrance it is only due to their grace that we are sitting here in the remembrance jab baarish nahi hundi har jeev de andar tanand tapsh paida hundi hai sab da khayal us prabhu di taraf hunda hai ek pratiha aisa janwar hai jehda amrit mile ਸਵਾ ਪੁਕਾਰ ਕਰਦਾ ਹੈ ਉਹਦੀ ਪੁਕਾਰ ਉਹ ਪ੍ਰਮਾਤਮਾ ਸੁਣਦਾ ਹੈ ਉਹ ਪਾਣੀ ਦੇ ਦੇਵਤੇ ਨੂੰ ਹੁਕਮ ਦਿੰਦਾ ਹੈ ਕਿ ਜਾ ਬਈ ਇਹਦੀ ਪੁਕਾਰ ਨੂੰ ਸੁਣ ਇਹਦੀ ਪਿਆਸ ਨੂੰ ਬੁਝਾ ਉਹ ਪਾਣੀ ਦਾ ਦੇਵਤਾ ਜਿਸ ਨੂੰ ਹਿੰਦੂ ਸ਼ਾਸਤਰਾਂ ਦੇ ਅੰਦਰ ਇੰਦਰ ਦੇਵਤਾ ਕਰਕੇ ਵੀ ਲਿਖਿਆ ਹੈ ਉਹ ਆਕੇ ਜਲ ਥਲ ਕਰ ਦਿੰਦਾ ਹੈ when it doesn't rain and everyone is feeling very hot at that time everyone wishes it would rain rainbird is such a bird who also equates to god almighty in the early embroidered hour to send the rain and when god almighty hears his plea then he orders god of rain who according to the hindu shastras is referred to indra devta Yes, he gets the order from God Almighty. God Almighty tells him to go and listen to the plea of that rainbird. Lord Indra comes in the form of the rain and that is what all over. Guru Nanak Dev Ji Maharaj said, Amrit Vele Bolya Pakiha Taandar Suni Pakar Mega Nubharmar Vaya Barse Kirpataar Guru Nanak Guru Nanak Guru Nanak Dev Ji says that in the early embroidery hour when the rain bird made the request then the clouds were ordered and they came to quench the thirst and they came to shower the rain. Sadi Atma Vee Jadu Bapar Karmi Hai Us Vee Us Pramatma Toh Vee Reha Nii Janda O Vee Edi Pakaar Sunu Ke Edi Piyas Vajan Vaaste Aapna ਦੇਹ ਛੱਡਦਾ ਸਤਖੰਡ ਆਪਣਾ ਪੇਹ ਛੱਡਦਾ ਹੈ ਉਹ ਵੀ ਇਨਸਾਨ ਬਣ ਕੇ ਸਾਡੀ ਪਿਆਸ ਬੁਝਾਉਣ ਵਾਸਤੇ ਆ ਜਾਂਦਾ ਹੈ ਵੈਨ ਆਵਰ ਸੋਲ ਆਲਸੋ ਕਾਲਸ ਆਊਟ ਫਾਰ ਗੋਡ ਆਲਮਾਈਟੀ ਹੀ ਕੈਨ ਨਾਟ ਰੈਜ਼ਿਸਟ ਐਂਡ ਲਿਸਨਿੰਗ ਟੂ ਆਵਰ ਕਾਲਸ ਲਿਸਨਿੰਗ ਟੂ ਆਵਰ ਪ੍ਰੇਅਰਸ ਹੀ ਆਲਸੋ ਲੀਵਸ ਹਿਸ ਹੋਮ ਸਚਖੰਡ ਐਂਡ ਹੀ ਕਮਸ ਡਾਊਨ ਇਨ ਥਿਸ ਵਰਲਡ ਟੂ ਕੁਐਂਚ ਆਵਰ ਥਰਸਟ ਸਾਨੂੰ ਜੀ ਮਹਾਰਾਜ ਨੇ ਕਿਹਾ ਹੈ ਕਿ ਜਿਨ੍ਹਾਂ ਨੇ ਸ਼ਬਦ ਨਹੀਂ ਲਿਆ ਉਹ ਅੰਨੇ ਹਨ ਬੋਲੇ ਹਨ ਉਹ ਪਰਮ ਵਿੱਚ ਕਿਰਨੇ ਹੈ ਉਹ ਜਗ ਵਿੱਚ ਕੀ ਲੈਣ ਆਏ ਸਾਮੀ ਜੀ ਮਹਾਰਾਜ ਹੈ ਸੈਟ ਦੇ ਦੋਸ ਹੂ ਡਿਡ ਨਾਟ ਗੈਟ ਦਾ ਸ਼ਬਦ ਦੇ ਆਰ ਦਾ ਬਾਈਂਡ ਵਨਸ ਦੇ ਆਰ ਦਾ ਡੈਪ ਵਨਸ ਵਾਈ ਡਿਡ ਦੇ ਕਮ ਇਨ ਥਿਸ ਵਰਲਡ ਗੁਰੂ ਰਾਮਦਾਸ ਮਹਾਰਾਜ ਜੀ ਕਹਿੰਦੇ ਹੈ ਕਿ ਜਿਨ੍ਹਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਨਾਮ ਨਹੀਂ ਮਿਲਿਆ ਮਨੁੱਖਾ ਜਨਮ ਪਾ ਕੇ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੀ ਮਾਤਾ ਵਾਂਝ ਕਿਉਂ ਨਾ ਬੈਠੀ ਰਹੀ ਕਿਉਂ ਐਸੇ ਬੱਚੇ ਨੂੰ ਜਨਮ ਦਿੱਤਾ ਗੁਰੂ ਰਾਮਦਾਸ ਜੀ ਮਹਾਰਾਜ ਆਲਸੋ ਸੈਟ ਸੈਟ that those who did not get the nam initiation after getting the human body why did their mother give birth to such why did the why did their mother give them the birth 
it was much better for that mother to remain childless than to give birth to someone who did not get the name. Kabir said, when they were born, why did they die? Why did they not name their name? Kabir Sahib said that why didn't that sinner who did not have the desire to get the name die right after getting birth? He who did not get the desire or did not get the name initiation in the human birth, why didn't he die right after getting birth? تو سنتا نے بار بار نام دی میں مانگائی ہے نام دی تو مانگائی ہے کیونکہ جو مہاتما نام روپ ہو جاتا ہے تو ہر جگہ کنکے کنکے بچ نام ہی نظر چاہتا ہے سو اس واسطے اسی کال دا سنگل نام دی کمائی کر کے ہی کٹ سکتے ہیں نام کسی پورے مہاتما دی شرم بچ جا کے اسی پراپ کر سکتے ہیں اور نام نہ جو سکتے ہیں سو اگین اور اگین آل دا ماسٹرز ہیو Laid a great emphasis on doing the meditation of Naam. They have sang the glory of Naam. They tell us about the importance of getting the Naam initiation because only by going to the perfect master can we get the Naam, and only by doing the meditation of Naam can we cut the bonds of the negative power. Naam kam kam de vichi vyapaka, Naam sach khan vich hai, lekin Mahatma os Naam de na jor dende hai, andar jan vichi sati madad kande hai. Naam is all pervading, Naam is present in every single cell, everywhere. But the Mahatmas, those who have become the home of the Naam, they connect us with that Naam. Naam Sade Shri which hai, andar ja ke asi us Naam me sakde hain. So, baron khyan no hatao, tez kante no, pavitar samyo, dunia re khyan, damag chukato, aur simran kato. Naam is within us and we can meet Naam only after going within. So withdraw your attention from outside and for this one hour, understand this hour as a precious hour. So concentrate within and withdraw your attention from everywhere outside and start doing your meditation. Here's another announcement. There will be a one-day Seva retreat at Shama's retreat next Saturday. And we will have Prashad during this closing bhajan, which is on page 187. Mere data suno benati. O my giver, listen to my plea. After hearing, accept my plea. I make this request. Listen to my prayers. Listen to my prayers. May I not forget you ever. Take me to the shore, O giver. Take me to the shore. This honorless soul does not listen to the bani. She does not listen to the bounty. She has become homeless. She is in your shelter, O giver. She is in your shelter. The negative power has laid the traps. He has laid the traps. The heart is terrified. Without you, who can remove the pain? O giver, without you, who can remove the pain? Becoming gracious, listen to my condition, Kripalji. Give me the treasure of Nam and make me rich. Servant Ajayb prays, O giver. Servant Ajayb prays. O my giver, listen to my plea. After hearing, accept my plea. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 187. Mere data jisun obenati 
Listen to my plea. After hearing, accept my plea. May God bless us all.